Well, friends, we're supposed to always be ready to give an um, answer for the hope that we have within us, right? So if any of you got the call that there needed to be um, somebody give a word, are you ready? Um, when the Lord is with us, we always have good news to share. And so I am delighted to be here, even as um, we continue to pray for Pastor Dave's full um, healing. We're continuing this morning in our um, gospel um, messages. Um, we're in a, for those of you that are guests, we're in a year-long um, journey of learning about going and making disciples. And so, welcome. And you're joining in on week 30 out of 40. So, um, you're just in time. And the Lord has a just-in-time word for each of us this morning. Um, I believe this is such rich and good news um, because he has hope for the world and he wants to use us. Um, I so appreciated the testimonies of um, our youth and hearing, um, is it Jacob, Joshua, Hendricks? What? Dan. Yeah, I know his um, dad. So anyway, um, yeah. I'm getting older too, Mark. But um, anyway, when he said we were all in, well, this is a message this morning where we can all be in and we can figure out where we go and how do we serve the Lord together, okay? So um, this is um, gospel tool thought number 30. Even now, we share in Jesus' reign. The work of intercessory prayer is a primary means by which we exercise our delegated authority to shape the earth for God's glory. As we intercede, the Holy Spirit works with and through us to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're going to look at um, a couple of passages of scripture. Matthew 6, um, where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Matthew 6. Um, verses 9 and 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, that means holy, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 17. It's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, second book. Exodus 17. And we're going to start with verse 8. um, And just to give you the context of this, so um, Moses and the Israelites have been delivered out of Egypt. They've come through the Red Sea. The Lord has just provided water from the rock. They were in a very dry spot. They thought they had come out there to be dehydrated, and some of them were grumbling they were going to die out there in the desert. And so they had just experienced both a very dry and difficult place, and also the power of God. And then comes the enemy. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, 
And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. He said, um, Write this down and make sure that Joshua hears it. I believe that this is a Joshua generation, and every one of us need to listen carefully this morning. Because the Lord is speaking to us. And he's telling us something very important through his word. And so, um, Pastor Dave, my co-pastor, in 2013, just a few weeks after I had been called and started here at Gold Avenue Church, he headed out to teach at a conference, excuse me, and um, out in Canada. Where was that that he was going? What city? Edmonton, Canada. All right, so he was going far, far west. And um, so what happens sometimes when you're really eager to go somewhere and you get in the plane and the plane does not take off? And he sits and he sits and he sits waiting for the takeoff, waiting to be released to go and um, take flight. He's going to Minneapolis to make a connection. Well, if you know Pastor Dave, and those of us that know him, we know he loves to talk to people, to engage people, to teach people. So what did he do during that two hours that they were waiting for um, takeoff? But he basically taught them the whole conference that he was going to. He met a young couple, he struck up a conversation, and he talks to them about how God grows the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's teaching them about how the, God lays this foundation of love, and then that draws us into prayer. And then he goes on to teach the whole conference to them. And as they arrive in Minneapolis two hours later, he's missed his connection. He's one of the speakers at the conference. And they tell him they don't know when they're going to be able to get him on the next flight. Well, he had reached out with an SOS text for some people to pray Because he was delayed and he needed a connection. But before he left that plane, he and that young couple, they prayed together that somehow the Lord would hold that plane or send that plane back for him. Well, how many of you know that once a plane departs Minneapolis heading to Canada, they've gone through all the security checks, they've closed the doors. What's the likelihood, do you think, that that plane's coming back? Friends, that plane came back. That plane came back, and they let him get on. Who? Like, but he was just in the early stages of learning this 
intercessory prayer and how that God really invites his kingdom and he brings his kingdom, which means his rule and reign on earth as we pray. And so this just fueled the fire. Annie even got the opportunity to testify to that young couple. On the, I think it was on the trip back or something, but he got to tell them, I think, that um, their prayers were answered. So he was just in this process of learning. And you see, the disciples had been watching Jesus. And they didn't say, would you teach us to preach? They said, would you teach us to pray? Because they saw that when Jesus talked to his father, that God's kingdom started to come, that his rule and reign, he started to restore, he started to set things in order, he started to usher in his shalom. And so um, Jesus very happily starts to teach them. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And it's not something to be recited dryly, although we can, when we're tired sometimes, have you ever been tired and you just, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or sometimes you're just so stressed that you struggle with remembering how that all goes. I was there one time sitting at my aunt's bedside as she was very sick and struggling. And all I could think was, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I just prayed that over and over and over again. But it's bringing us into the presence of God Almighty as we think about, oh, you are my Father. And we get drawn into this deep intimacy with God. We think about God as our Father. And as we start to know him more and spend time with our Father, we start to take on his heart and his priorities. And we start to see where there's a lack of shalom and where he wants to bring shalom. And so we start to align our hearts and our values with God and his kingdom. We're longing for his kingdom to come here on earth. When you look around, what do you see? Where do you see God's kingdom and the peace and the joy of his kingdom here on earth? And where do you see those places where you long to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Maybe you look at a dry, difficult relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. And you just pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. We just seem to be missing each other over and over again. Maybe you look at somebody that you love. Maybe it's your parents and they struggle in a marriage. And you just say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let them renew their vows. Let them fall back into that first love again. Maybe you look at a friend that's struggling with depression, and you just see that this is not shalom. This is not God's best. And you say, oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We start to pray in God's kingdom. There's so many places that as I mean, every time I drive by Parkway Tropics, the strip club, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Set free the captives. Bring release for those that are in dark places. Lord, please heal. Please restore. Please set free. Let your kingdom come. What do you see in your daily lives as you walk around in your situation? What do you see? Where do you see shalom that's lacking? And you pray, 
because you love God and you know that there's something better. You know there's something better for your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. And friends, this gives us an outlet not to just align our priorities with God's, but actually we start to shift into that restored role of dominion. Do you remember when we first started this series, we looked at Genesis and how we had been created to bear God's image on earth and he had given dominion. And so we're now called, he calls us the royal priesthood, royal, kingly, right? We're ambassadors of his kingdom and we're priests. We're mediating. We're looking at earth. We're looking to heaven and we're saying, bring your grace, bring your kingdom to come. And your will to be done. And so love motivates us to pray. And prayer is simply a rich conversation like we talked about last week. Now this is an important question. If God loves the earth so much, why doesn't he just fix things? He's got the ability to. Why do we need to pray? The answer is because we've been designed in God's image. He's designed us to rule and reign with him. And he wants our cooperation, not just because that's his design, but because he knows that we have fullness of joy and we're fully who we are and fully alive when we're standing in that position of restored authority in Christ. Jesus said, I give you authority. Ask anything in my name. He said, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And so why, why is Jesus doing this? Why is he teaching and why is he delegating? And again, it's because we've been in this kingdom. We have a part in God's kingdom. Every Christian has a role in God's kingdom. And we're stepping into that. Now, it's a kingdom that's still in conflict, right? There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of darkness, and on this earth, we're still in a kingdom battle. So those of you that have gone on mission trip, those of you that walk, that walk on this earth, you know, if you look around with spiritual eyes and as the gift of distinguishing of spirits, you're recognizing that there's a clash of the kingdom. Psalm 1101 says, he must reign until all his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. He does reign, and we share in his reign. Ephesians 2.6 talks about how that we've been seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And yet, 1 Peter 5.8 says that our enemy is like a roaring lion, just looking for somebody to devour and destroy. And so we're in conflict, and in order to advance God's kingdom, he invites us into prayer. Now, there's... This passage of scripture that we looked at in the Old Testament from Exodus 17. Are you tracking with me? Here we are. There's a kingdom conflict, and it was actually in the physical realm. There was a kingdom conflict because God had said, I'm going to, he had taken Abraham and he said, your descendants, I'm going to bless. And whoever um, blesses you, I'll bless. And whoever comes against you, I'll curse. And so God wanted to, um, he made it very clear that he wanted to bless his people. They were not to just lie down and be like victims and say, well, something's coming against me. I guess I'm just a target. 
I got to take it. No, they're supposed to stand up and go, no, and I'm going to fight this. But how do they fight this? They fight it all together, and they each had roles. And so Moses put some of them down in the valley and said, Joshua, you gather your men, and you go out there, and tomorrow I'm going to go up on the hill with a couple of people, and I'm going to lift my arms. Well, what in the world is that lifting of the arms? But it was a position of prayer. He could have just as easily, in our context, said, I'm going to bow my head and fold my hands, or maybe I'm going to kneel, or maybe I'm just going to lay prostate before the Lord. But in that context, there was the lifting of holy hands to the Lord, who is king, and who had just shown his power when he had brought water from the rock and saved them. And so the Savior would come and he would work. And so there was this cooperation. Now, which was the more important? Were the ones that were fighting in the valley more important? Were the ones up on the mountain more important? God's more important. And they each had a role. But when Moses got tired, and I had thought about, could I just ask one of you to stand up here the whole time I'm preaching and just keep your hands up? But then I thought, maybe I might forget that I was doing that illustration, and you'd get tired and put your hands down, and I'd forget to draw attention to it. So anyway, but just think about that. If you were just standing up here for 40 minutes or an hour and a half for our service, if you were just standing up here and trying to lift your hands, how many of you would get distracted and forget and let your hands drop? Or how many of you even, yeah, I see a hand going up there. And then how many of you might just have your hands up, but they start to tremble and they just get tired? Moses was old before he ever even got called to go deliver the Israelites. And so here is this man, like senior citizen, up on the, I mean, he climbed a mountain. And then he's up there holding up his hands, praying over the people. And he gets tired. And what do they do? They get a rock for him to sit on. And then one friend holds one hand up and one friend holds the other hand up. And as long as those hands up, what's happening down there? They're winning. Can you say they're winning? They're winning. Yeah. What happens when the hands go down? Oh, the Amalekites were winning. And so what happens when intercessory prayer drops or we get distracted is that it literally makes a difference in the spiritual battle. All right. God said, write this down and put it on the scroll, because every spiritual victory, every advance of the kingdom, is undergirded in the work of prayer. He said, write this down. Jesus knew the Torah. Jesus, on the night that he was getting ready to be crucified, went to a garden. And he remembered what was written down. And he asked his friends, come, please pray with me. Please pray with me. He was asking them to be those friends that would hold up his arms when he was so tired. You know who was praying for Jesus? The Holy Spirit and I believe Father God were interceding for him. To help him through. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And he's given us one another. And when we're in a battle. 
We need to be holding each other's hands up, praying together. If you're down fighting this battle, let's just say, I'm struggling with doubt right now. Then let's ask one another, like, hey, I'm struggling with doubt. Would you pray for me? And hey, could you pray for me? And Tony, would you pray for me? They can be up on the mountain praying while I'm down here struggling in this battle. And as long as they're praying, I'm going to be winning because God sends his grace and his Holy Spirit when we pray. All right. I told you that Moses was fatigued. Sometimes intercessory prayer is a long battle. We see this in um, Daniel where he prayed and it took 21 days. Why? Because his prayers started a battle in the heavenly realm. He couldn't see it. He didn't know why it was taking a while to get a response. We have to pray until there's breakthrough. And so Daniel had a delay, but that didn't mean God wasn't listening. If you've been praying for a long time, it does not mean that God hasn't been listening. There may be a spiritual battle going on that you don't even know a thing about. But God hears and he will respond. Elijah had to pray. Do you remember Elijah was up there bearing down, praying for rain? And seven times he sent the servant to go look. Seven times he came back and finally there was a little cloud. But then it was a torrential rain. All right. There's great joy in intercessory prayer, but it is work. And I think that there's great joy and there's even greater joy when we're doing it together. And so just like I asked, would you three be a prayer team for me? You'll have a lot more fun being together because you can encourage each other. When one's down, the other one lifts each other up. And so Moses needed an Aaron and a her. How do we have an Aaron and a her? How do we do that? Well, some people just find that they're friendships, right? I'm struggling with something. I remember when I was struggling with Hebrew in, in seminary. I needed some people to pray for me. And you know what? They prayed for me, and I spent one morning before my quiz praying for my professor the whole time instead of studying because I felt like the Lord was saying, pray and go give this word to this professor. And he said, well, thank you very much. I received that, but you still have to take your quiz today. (laughs) And I said, I'm trusting the Lord. Do you know that I sat down and I was able to, what do you call it, like decipher every single word. I knew what it meant, and I was able to write the whole scripture out. The Lord blessed me as other people prayed. And I'm not not saying don't study. So for all the students in the room... I'm not saying don't study, just call a friend to pray for you. But it really does help when it is a kingdom assignment and you're going through something that's hard. Call a friend. All right. Um, Marriages or roommates can have a time to pray together. That's an Aaron and a her and a Moses kind of situation. Your discipleship groups praying for one another. You share your prayer requests with each other. But do you realize when we hold back and we don't share our prayer requests because, well, we don't want to bore people or we don't want to seem like we're the really needy ones all the time, what are we doing? We're missing the joy that other people can have of praying for us. It starts to bring us into that authenticity that was talked about in the testimony, right? Like when we really know what's going on in each other's lives, we know that we all 
fall down. We all struggle at times. We all face battles. And we have the joy, and it really brings, the Lord brings us closer together. As a church um, and as a ministry, we have prayer. And so every Sunday morning, Nancy, raise your hand back there. Nancy and a group of people pray downstairs at 9 a.m. for this very service. There's some of you that sit here through the whole time and you're praying, you're interceding. You're the Moses and the two friends that are up on the mountain praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. Nancy and the group would love to invite you, any of you, to come. Please come join in prayer at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Wednesdays at noon, we pray for this church and the ministry of this church in the neighborhood and beyond. And so if you can get on a Zoom call at noon, join us. There's every ministry. If you think about it, why would any ministry go out and start? You're going to go down like Joshua against the Amalekites. They were vicious. The Amalekites were vicious. They're the ones that came when um, the Israelites were going through the desert and there were the weak ones and the old ones and the ones with little bitty children that were at the back end of the line. And where, where did the Amalekites go? Went to the back of the line and just took off and took down all of the weak ones. The Amalekites were vicious. When you're in a vicious situation, because the enemy wants to take you out. If you're a Christian, the enemy does not want your witness. He sees gifts that the Lord's given you, and you're starting to use them. All right. You're going to be in this, in this battlefield. You're leading worship. You need people praying. Kayleen, worship team, you need people praying. The coffee shop ministry that we're praying about for this church if this doesn't have a prayer group of Moses, Aaron, and um, his buddy up there praying, right? The reason I say buddy is because one time I messed up in a conference and, and said, what did I say? Ben-Hur. Yeah, I messed up really bad. So anyway, and then I laughed so hard that I was like almost ridiculously not professional. But anyway, all right, the point is, Any ministry that we hope to start, it needs a prayer covering. We need to be praying for each other. If we think, why aren't we making any traction? Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we moving out further into the ministry field? And then we need to go back and go, okay, every time the hands went down, the other team was winning. All right. And so let's go back and think about, do we have enough prayer coverage for what we're trying to do? So when the Moses arms went up, the tide turned. And so intercessory prayer moment by moment has great significance. All right. Why do people struggle when we say intercessory prayer? How many of you have heard before that it's important to pray for one another? Show of hands. All right, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you are faithful every day to pray. But I'm going to say that we probably say, I'll pray for you when we hear something. But how many of us remember to actually do it? 
Just a little tip. I think it's better to just pray right there on the spot. Oh, you shared this with me? Do you have a minute? Let's just pray about this right now. And then continue to pray about it. I think we've lacked role models. Pastor Dave thinks we've lacked role models. And so praise God that we have some role models within our church. We have Mary Swearingham, Mother Mary, I like to call her. Um, We have Nancy. We have others that have been faithful role models to us. And so I think we need to see more role models, which means what? Some of you need to step it up. Because do you realize that you could, you could be an example to everybody around you? You could be an example just by being a role model and praying. We also haven't really been clear about why was it that we needed to intercede in the first place. And maybe we just got a little disillusioned. Maybe you prayed for something and like um, Daniel, there was a long delay And you could think, maybe the enemy whispered in your ear, your your prayers aren't powerful enough. Or God doesn't really hear you. And you got discouraged. But I want to say today, God heard and hears every prayer. And if you haven't seen that thing come to pass, just know that he is delighted in your prayers. Now, when we pray, it's a vulnerable thing. To just keep asking and asking on behalf of people, on behalf of situations. Some of you feel called to pray for this nation, and scripture tells us to pray for our leaders, right? But you pray for our nation, and you see things that are going on, and maybe you just get a little discouraged. And it feels vulnerable to keep praying and praying. But I want to tell you a story that happened a while back where we were praying for a couple that was going through marital difficulties, And we got a call from one of the spouses saying the other spouse had taken off with the children and they thought they were leaving the state. And we prayed and the Lord put on our hearts to pray that they would not be allowed. They wouldn't leave the state. That somehow he would intervene. Now, prayer is not witchcraft. We don't control people. But we ask God to send his grace and we ask him to work. And so we got message later that that person, that spouse and the children were headed out west. They got to the state line and their car broke down. Praise God. So there was an opportunity again for that couple to be together and try to work things out. And they tried to work it out for a while. And unfortunately, they quit trying to work it out. And things didn't go as well as it could have. We can't control the other people. You can't control your addicted friend or parent. You can't control your neighbor. But you can pray and ask the Lord to remove every obstacle and to send his Holy Spirit. And it gives them the best chance possible of responding to God and seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. All right. The Lord invites us to pray, and when we pray, we are filled with joy. He said in John 15, when he talks about inviting in him and his word in us, he says, if we ask anything in his name, it will be given to us. And then he says, I told you all these things so that my joy will be in you. I don't know what your picture of Jesus is. 
But the first time I ever, you know, saw a painting where Jesus had his head back and laughing, it was like, it just blew my mind because I just thought he was so serious because church felt serious. And all of a sudden I realized if, if the, um, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, he is the fullness of joy. And so as we pray, as we come into his presence, we experience the fullness of joy. And so even today, I feel like if you're struggling with depression, I want to say pray. Come into the presence of the Lord. And even as you think about these prayer appointments that we offer, we go maybe in this room over here. You've got a few prayer partners. And maybe you're struggling with something. And you're battling. Maybe it's kind of like the Joshua situation. Maybe the enemy through other people or circumstances, is just trying to take you out. And you say, I need a Moses and an Aaron and a her to just come over here and pray with me. That's what those prayer appointments are. It's coming together, and it's actually like you bring the battle and the people that are praying, and everybody's right together, and we see over and over again, his kingdom come and his will be done. I want to tell you a closing couple of stories. One is Doug McMurray, a friend of PRMI, um, an author, someone that is a pastor. He was out west, and they noticed that there was a cult that had started very close to their church. And a group started to pray, and they started to ask the Lord to intervene and to break up that cult. Because, you see, that cult was saying they were just a higher level of Christianity. But it wasn't Christianity at all. And so they prayed for about a year. On the last day before he took a job on the, over in Virginia, he turns on the news, he and his wife, and they see that the FBI has busted up this cult and taken people into custody because they were doing ungodly things. It was demonic. And their prayers made a difference. Not only that they busted it up, and the Lord moved in that way, but YWAM bought that, that land, which is a Christian organization. Redemption came, and all kinds of young people were getting equipped for ministry. Soon after I started here, there were several of us that are actually in this room right now that were praying. And there was on the news, a young, um, I think she was 13 years old, was missing from Granville. And we felt led to pray about that situation that we heard on the news. And we were praying, Lord, turn your searchlight. Turn your searchlight. Protect that child, that teenager. Protect them. Lord, show where they are. Reveal where they are. Find them. Bring them back to their parents. A little bit later, a couple hours maybe, on national, we start to hear all these police cars just right down the block. And a man had enticed that girl on the Internet, and she was covered and found and returned home right down there. That is because of intercessory prayer. Think about what God might do through your prayers and through your life, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the hope 
that you give us in the gospel. Lord, thank you that you have not left us as orphans. You've sent your Holy Spirit and you've whispered in our ear, just like you said, to whisper and speak to Joshua and write this down. Lord, thank you that you wrote this story down. And Lord, now whisper in our ear and continue to whisper in our ear and remind us of the power that you've given us to work with you through prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.